Well, guys, it's our back-to-school service. And as I was thinking about life for many of you, whether you're a student or not, um, this is one of those windows where there's a lot of excitement. Isn't there not? School supplies? I'm going to think about it. There, there's something about buying that, maybe it's me, that new moleskin notebook, right, where nothing has been, I mean, the pages are crisp. No ink has dotted the pages yet. It's, it just screams of, of possibility. There's just something to be put on this. And all of a sudden, you, if you're a student, especially, all of the, the woes of, in theory, last semester or last year, if you had any, uh, in many ways are kind of wiped away. And you have a fresh, clean slate, a fresh start to work with. You've got fresh pencils. You've got new pens. You've got new backpacks. Teachers, let's be honest, you have new students. And sometimes new students, depending on what kind of class you might have had, you might have been praying to God for some new students. This is real life, folks. You know that's true. You've got students and young ones that are, that are adapting to new schedules. All of a sudden, if you're used to going to work a certain way, there's an influx of traffic and things are taking longer to get places. We're going to begin to feel kind of that, that crispness in the air before too long. As fall begins to hit, which I'm praying for, God's mercy for fall to come. You've got new people to sit by on the bus if you ride the bus. I'm going to tell you something right now. There were, there were few pressures as great as where you were going to sit at lunch and where you were going to sit on the bus. Does anybody remember having to pick out those first seats? Oh, that was, that was for real because it was make or break time depending on who you sat lunch, at lunch with or where you sat on the bus. Yes? Am I the only one? Okay, I got picked on a lot, so maybe I was the only one. Man, God. Praying through things today. I think the best way to describe new seasons that we walk into is that it's, it's filled with possibility, and it's actually filled with a lot of shaking. It's a weird tension, is it not? You have the excitement of possibility, but you also have the, the trepidation and the fear and the anxiety of, of things shaking and things being new and things being different and sometimes things just flat out being difficult and things being hard. New things can be great and they can also be incredibly difficult. Ask any parent that is trying to get a small one adapted to the new sleeping pattern, it can feel like you're literally pulling teeth. I see heads shaking. I see sleepy eyes. It's exactly right. There's a lot of new things filled with possibility and filled with shaking. And because that's the case, we want to go to Scripture today and we want to find some places that are where we see men and women wrestling with some of the same things that we're wrestling with. 
So here's what I want to invite you to do. Turn to Isaiah 54, chapter 54, verse 10. Whether you are going back to school, it doesn't matter. Maybe you've gotten a new job. See, a new job is filled with fear. It's filled with, it's filled with shaking, and it's filled with possibility. Maybe you're moving into a new home. Maybe you've bought a home, or maybe you're moving into an apartment, or, or, or again, something new. Guess what it's filled with? It's filled with shaking, and it's filled with possibility. Maybe you've gotten a new car. Shaking, literal. But also, God willing, some possibility. A chance to get someplace. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read a verse that's going to have very little context for you. And then we're going to just simply unpack it this morning. You guys ready to do that? Here we go. Isaiah 54. Verse 10, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. There's a lot of shaking that happens, and God knows it. And that's why he takes a moment here in Isaiah 54 through the prophet Isaiah to remind us that although life shakes and although world, the world that we live in is shaking, there's one thing that is unshakable, and it's God's unfailing love for you. Now, when this was written, uh, we're talking about uh, late 700 B.C. The, the, the contemporaries of Isaiah uh, are, are writing prophetic scripture. Rome has just been established as a city. This whole idea for the glory of Rome that you read about in Glad or hear about in the movies like Gladiator and things like that, none of that is established yet. Rome is a, is a city that's new on the scene. You have the very first Olympic Games being played in Greece. 776 B.C. And they were done as a form of worship to Zeus and other gods. That's how long the Olympic Games have been going on. And what you have is we have a superpower that has been forming in, the, in, in Asia it's by the name of Assyria. And they're looking to take some land and they're looking to, they're looking to, to, to make conquest. And who do they find uh, as victim, who falls prey to them? But Samaria. These are God's people at the time. The northern kingdom of Israel. And so Assyria attacks, and over the next decade, they're at war and they're fighting. And we see the prophets throughout Scripture predicting the fall of Israel because they do not and will not follow him. What happens? Samaria falls. The northern kingdom of Israel is destroyed. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are deported. They're taken from their homeland and they're placed in a new one. And they're there for centuries until finally a leader rises up 
God moves in their midst. They humble themselves before a righteous and a holy God, and the doors open for them to return back to their homeland. And guess how they feel? Scared. Such possibility. Such, such freshness. Think of what could be accomplished. Think of what we could do. Think of what might be there. But there's also something else. Shaking. Because after all, you don't even know what your hometown is like. You don't even know what ancestors you might have there. You don't even know how you're going to get crops growing and how you're going to live and how you're going to build a house. You don't have a clue. You think trying to find a seat at the lunch table is rough. The unknown. Imagine going into a city again that your ancestors lived in and you just, you're going to figure out what it looks like and you're going to make it work. Oh, there's a lot of shaking that's happening. But man, is there a lot of possibility. And many of us find ourselves in our own lives at crossroads that feel like this. And so God reminds us in Isaiah 54 that though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, his unfailing love for you will not be shaken and his covenant of peace will not be removed. I got bad news for you. I'm going to hit you with it first. Take a deep breath. Everything changes. I don't like that. None of us do. And God reminds us, he's giving, he's giving Israel here this fixture. Think of, the, think of something in your life right now that is just immovable. Something that you love. Something that you're excited about. Something you like to watch on the History Channel. What is something that just feels so big, so sizable, so significant that surely... It wouldn't change. People think of castles, but if history tells us anything, we've seen castles, those that have made of the biggest bricks and the biggest stones and, and the biggest, what are they called, moats and the biggest drawbridges, guess what happens? They get sieged and those castles fall. Maybe a temple, a place of worship. I mean, surely this, the the the... the the stonework here, the, the amount of weight of these bricks, surely nothing could penetrate. Not true. Temples rise, temples fall. Some of the oldest structures we have in the United States are churches. And all it takes is a good match on a dry day. To bring that thing down. And so God in his mighty wisdom is helping them understand. Imagine that which would go nowhere. Kennesaw Mountain. <laughs> the mountains around you. The Rockies. Here we have something fixed in nature. Surely they're going nowhere. 
not true. Because even though the mountains depart, Scripture says, even though the hills be removed, you know, geologists report that mountains are actually getting smaller every single year. You know why? Because of erosion. And so over the course of a year, mountains are, are getting smaller in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in inches. And then you have other ranges, obviously, as, as tectonic plates are coming together, they're pushing mountains up higher. But we have mountain ranges that are getting smaller. They're getting removed. They're changing. Even the most concrete things in your life are changing. The average person has different friends every seven years. At least 50% of your friends are different after seven years. And if yours are not, you're amazing. <laughs> you're amazing. We watched a show last night with the kids. Amy was out with some friends, and so, you know, I had the kids, and I decided I'm going to reward the kids and let them watch another show tonight, and I'm going to relax on the couch. <laughs> there was a storm kind of going, and they all come out, came out of bed and were scared which they weren't even really. They just, this was their free pass moment. And they all came down the stairs with pillows, and I laid out this big pallet on the living room floor, turned on the show, and we just sat and watched this little science show on the universe. Okay? They loved it. And if you didn't know, again, the most fixated things you can think of, the sun, the moon, stars, the earth, a little science uh, reminder for you today. We are not stationary. Even though you're sitting in a seat in this room, you are traveling at an unprecedented speed through our galaxy. As in over half a million miles an hour is how fast you're going right now. We could collide with something at any minute. What's going to happen? The most fixated things in your mind aren't really that fixated. The things that are the most anchored in your life really aren't as anchored as you might think. And that may sound like bad news, but I'm going to give you great news here in just a second. And this isn't alarmist, okay? This isn't you, you looking at your spouse and saying, I can't trust you. Not so. In fact, your spouse, how about some news for you, married couples? Your spouse is changing. Got gray hairs that come in. That happens. But you know what else happens? My, my wife and I are different than we were when we were dating. Life has changed us. For the, for the better, I'm sure also for the, well, no. <laughs> Only for the better. But life has changed us. Guess what changes you? Getting married. Guess what changes you again? Having a child. My wife is different. I know her differently now as a mother than I did when we were dating. We're different. She's changed. She's blossomed into a mother and she's changed again as we've had more children. And so have I. And guess what will happen again as we have grandchildren? And guess what happens when you get jobs? And guess what happens when you're making more money or when you're making less money? You change. 
I'd like to say that we are all constant, but we are not. And there is only one thing that Scripture points us to, to hitch our wagon to and to be anchored to. There's only one thing that is truly unshakable, and it is God's unfailing love for you. It does not change. It isn't going anywhere. It doesn't matter how fast you're hurtling through space. It doesn't matter how great or how poor your job is. It doesn't matter if you're married or divorced. It doesn't matter if you don't have kids or you've got 15 kids. God's love for you is going nowhere. And that's great news. There was this place in St. Louis growing up. Every Sunday... This was just our thing. People don't do it as much as they used to, but we would go out to eat as a family every Sunday. We just knew, you know, growing up, this is, I needed to expect that we were not going home after church. We were going out to eat. And there was this place that I loved to go, Fraley's. It was basically like a sports bar. I didn't know it at the time, but they had arcades. Some of the newest arcades were at Fraley's. They were awesome. But the thing that they had that was even better were these chicken strips. They fried them in this batter, and I would get my Sprite, and I would get my chicken strips. I'd get some quarters. I'd rock the arcade. Best day ever. And it didn't matter how bad Sunday was. It didn't matter how bored I might have been. It didn't matter how early I got up or whether I was playing baseball later that day or whether we lost the game after church. If we were going to Fraley's, I had a constant that was there waiting for me. Arcade, Sprite, chicken strips. <laughs> and I remember rolling it. I, can, I remember it to the T. I remember the table I was sitting at with my family. I got the chicken strips. They were brought to the table. And I took a bite. And I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> what happened to my chicken strips? They changed the recipe. They changed the batter. And it didn't taste the same. Have you ever had a restaurant that changed the recipe of your favorite thing? And you think to yourself, God, why? (laughs) Why? Why did you do this? Management, come out here. Why did you do this? It was perfect. Everything changes. Even the things you love most that you're anchored to, your constants, they change. But God's love for you is unfair failing, unpenetrable, immovable love, it's going nowhere. I love this. In Isaiah 54, 10, it says his unfailing love will not be shaken. Now, in our American context, sometimes the word love, it doesn't have the the real implication that it should have. Other cultures have different versions of of love, but ours oftentimes just gets reduced down to feeling something for someone or having the hots for someone. It's true. That's how we talk about love. But this kind of love is the kind of love where, where it doesn't matter the conditions, it will pursue you. And it will pursue you, and it will pursue you. 
It's like a, it's a, the description is in the way that a parent would care for an autistic child or the way that a husband would court and pursue a wife that has been unfaithful in order to win her heart back. I love those illustrations. That there's an active pursuit that's happening with this kind of love. If you've ever watched the movie Last of the Mohicans, it's one of my favorites. It just, it speaks to me. And, you know, you have the, the, the two main characters are falling in love, but their lives are in danger. And so we've got the lead man. He's getting ready to kiss his woman goodbye and jump out of a, through a waterfall. She's getting ready to be taken prisoner, and he knows if he stays with her, everybody's going to die. And he looks at her, and he says, I will find you. Kisses her, jumps out the waterfall. And you're like, okay, is this guy amazing or what? And this is the kind of love that God has for you. It's not that it's just romance. It's this active pursuit that it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you're stuck in. I will find you. You can't run from me. You can't hide from me. You can't out me. You can't jack this up so bad that I don't want you. No, 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 no. Let me be very clear. I love you, and this love is impenetrable. It's unshakable. It cannot be removed. That's the kind of God that we serve, and that's how he feels about you. And today, as you are looking at the year in front of you, as you are looking at the semester in front of you, as you're looking at the next semester of parenting in front of you, the next semester of your job in front of you, the next semester of life period, you need to settle something in your heart that you serve a God that absolutely is crazy about you. And he's coming for you. He's looking for you. He will find you. It's just a matter of how quickly you want to let this thing happen. Maybe that's not theologically quite accurate. <clears throat> but God is pursuant of you. There we go. You're going to strike that from the recording, Wes. He's awesome. Let me give you some examples. Because we forget this. We, we, love, to, we love to sanitize Scripture, don't we? Jesus is the fulfillment of God the Father, he is the perfect expression of God's love for you and me. Let's talk about the people that he asked to follow him, that he made the initial church plant with, the original 12. I'm just going to give you a couple. Peter. He's been walking with Jesus for three years. He's seen him do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And on the night Jesus is betrayed and arrested... What does Peter do? He denies ever knowing Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and to convince his audience that he is in fact true, he blows curses out upon himself to convince his hearers that he's not a follower of Jesus. This is one of Jesus' right-hand guys. 
Imagine I came in on a Sunday morning and was like, guys, <laughs> I don't even know Jesus. Just to convince you of it. This is one of God's right-hand men. He's a liar and he's a coward. But God doesn't give up on him. Uh, let's keep going. James and John. Jesus gave them nicknames, called them sons of thunder. Why did he do such a thing? Because James and John would get irritated with people they were ministering to. <laughs> and literally asked Jesus. This was the literal request. This isn't sarcasm. Jesus, can we pray to God that he would throw down balls of fire and nuke this village right now? Let's do this. Nuke these people. The sons of thunder are angry. The sons of thunder are more like bouncers than ministers of the gospel. They should have jobs in Vegas in front of a club more than, than being ministers of reconciliation. But God doesn't give up on them. You've got Matthew the tax collector. His vocation was nothing less than political and religious treason. Jewish agents of Rome who mediated pagan oppression through taking money from innocent people. It's like the sheriff of Nottingham. Nobody likes the sheriff of Nottingham in the Robin Hood movies. He's a punk. He's a thief and a liar. He's taking advantage of person after person after person. I want you to hear this. This is who Jesus asked to follow him. This guy is a train wreck. And his own people hate his guts. And then, of course, there's Simon the Zealot who doesn't get the nickname Zealot because of his fervency in prayer. He's a zealot, a warrior, so to speak, but a literal one. They were known for carrying knives and swords and weapons of sort and assassinating people. They would kill them. This is a modern-day terrorist considered to be a Jewish jihadist. Just to give us a little bit of context as we're talking about things that we do understand, like terrorism. Simon the Zealot is a terrorist. And if he and Matthew had met in an alley, somebody would have ended up in chalk for the cops to come and figure out what on earth happened. These aren't the kind of people you would think that God Almighty in His infinite wisdom would grab and lay hold of and bring together and birth His kingdom through. Why on earth would He do this? Maybe because He knew that you and I would need to see something. 
We would need to see in the pages of Scripture that we serve a God whose love is so relentless, so vibrant, so full of life, so unwilling to quit, so immovable, so unshakable that it would give us faith and that it would give us courage and that it would give us hope. I don't know about you, but I need that. I'll share one last thing with you today. Because the other thing that the scripture points out is that God would give us a peace that cannot be removed. Amy and I are moving into a a new home and this is less about that and more about packing up our home that we're in right now. And there's something sentimental if you're wired in any way, if you have that kind of disposition. There is something about packing up all your stuff because it forces you to, to look at moments in your life. You All of a sudden, you're pulling clothes off of the racks that your kids just don't fit into anymore. But you remember things that you did when they were wearing it. So Amy and I had some tearful moments even just yesterday as we were packing up the home and we came across this little basket and Amy posted it on social media and I just wanted to remind you of something because this filthy, what looks like a onesie, it's not, it's a mesh suit. Something you looks like somebody would go scuba diving in almost. Our son Morgan had to wear this every single night, soaking wet. And then he would be coated with Vaseline or Aquaphor from head to toe. It was torturous. He had, he had some of the severest eczema you can have. And then we would put wet pajamas on him over his wet little smesh suit. And that's how he would go to bed every night. And he would wake up still bloody mess from scratching through it all. And we'd start over and we had all these gauze, all of these bandages. And that's what we would put him in in the morning when he got up. He'd get a fresh set of clothes soaking wet. We'd wrap him in gauze from his feet to his knees, from his wrists to his elbows because his skin just did not function right got this little basket out and we thought to ourselves God what how do we survive this basically three year season doing this day in and day out and day in and day out the reality is God you gave us peace you came as the scriptures say in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 To us, a child is born. To us, a a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Isaiah tells us later in the book that that peace, that the prince is, that is defined by, it cannot be removed from your life. 
And Amy posted that on social media. And interestingly enough, here we were celebrating what God had done in our life and through the life of our son and on my timeline. And right underneath my timeline was some great friends whose child didn't survive. Didn't make it. Without going into all the details, they lost their baby girl. And they were celebrating what would have been, I believe, her 10th birthday. And here they were, giving glory to God, exalting his name. Our situations were totally different. And yet the very same God, in the midst of that storm, brought us the same thing. And that peace is immovable. And sometimes God brings us some storms so that we can value the anchor that He is. His love is unshakable, His peace is irremovable. Even though there are times in your life where that doesn't feel the case. I shared my story. I've heard so many of your stories where the very Prince of Peace that I'm talking about has come and filled your life with that same life-changing, completely transforming peace and love that you just cannot explain. And this morning as we are preparing for back to school or some of you are already in school and some of you are getting into the real thick of things this week here's what I want to do I want to give you an invitation this morning to experience God the Father as a loving God and as a God that can give you peace for so many of us we treat peace like it's a bottle of liquid that we could kind of guzzle and drink and all of a sudden we, we feel great. But the reality is scripture lets us know that peace isn't a thing, it's a person. He is the Prince of Peace. He doesn't just bring you this strange thing. He brings you himself. The one who is peace. The very one and only Prince of Peace. So this morning, we're going to take a moment for you to put your faith and trust in God like that. And maybe you're sitting here and you have never done that ever in your life. Your heart might be beating out of your chest, wondering if you can know God like that. And the answer is yes, you can. And I have great news for you today that although everything else is changing in your life, God's love for you isn't. And it isn't hinging on how great you are or how good you are or your capacity to earn it. That has nothing to do with it. He loves you, fact, period, and you can't change it. And if things are shaking still around you and you, you know you've lost the Prince of Peace, you haven't really, but it feels like it. For God to be fully alive as the Prince of Peace, the mighty warrior in your life, 
you may just need to take a moment right now and pray to him and invite that Lord and that Savior into your life.